Yes, us. Welcome to the Kefi Life Podcast. My name is Kiki Vale, and I'll be your guide to creating a life of Ola Kala, all is well. Together, we'll get back to the basics, and we'll explore fresh new ways to flourish in mind, body, and soul the Greek way. You can look forward to interviews, stories, essential self-care strategies, recipes, and actionable takeaway Ola Kala moments. This is going to be so much fun. Let's get going. Bam it. Our lexi for this week is oria. Oria, kati pou prepi na mathome apoti neolea. Boundaries, something we should learn from our youth. Why? Because setting boundaries and holding true to them allows us to hold ourselves accountable to our individual healthy limits. Boundaries define our identity. If you receive a request that impedes on your well-being or your home life, then a healthy boundary means answering no. No without explanation or regret. Two rules of thumb for setting a healthy boundary. Number one, value your own opinion. Own it without reservation. Number two, understand your personal needs and learn how to communicate them politely and effectively. Oria, whether emotional, physical, mental, or in regards to your time and energy, boundaries protect the inner core of who you are and how you want to live. This is Kira Moran, President of Kingdom Farms and proud sponsor of Kefi Life. Kingdom Farms provides organic meats, poultry, and fish throughout the USA. Kingdom Farms has been blessed for 52 years with providing the highest quality foods to all our customers. Please contact Kingdom Farms for your culinary needs at www.kingdomfarms.com. Introducing the brand new QuadPod Podcast Network. We're adding new podcasts every day. Visit qodpod.com and meet our podcasters. That's QODPOD.com. The Greek sages of antiquity coined a powerful truism, which is nous iis and somata iis, or a healthy mind for a healthy body. With mental health and wellness, we must first say, look at the whole. Today, we explore the health of your mind and how it relates to your whole person. I'm very excited to connect with a professional and compassionate young woman who brightens the world with her mission to break stigmas and shine the light on mental well-being. She's combined her education and clinicals with a brilliant tie-in to faith. Yana Papadeas is a psychiatric nurse joining this conversation live from California. Welcome, Yana. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh my God, it's our pleasure. What's the weather like over there on the West Coast? Perfect. I love Chicago, but I don't miss the cold weather. (laughs) I live on the beach. No complaints over here. (laughs) Oh, you're making us jealous. What part of California when? I'm in Long Beach. It's about an hour outside of LA. Oh, beautiful. Today, Yana, we are sharing with the audience mental health and mental well-being and how it ties into the whole person. You have a lot of experience, your education, the work that you're doing currently. And I would love to begin with your educational background and what your professional background is so people can get an idea of um, how much you know in this field. Yeah. Okay. So to start with, I graduated in 2018 with my Bachelor of Science in Psychology and then in 2020 with my Bachelor of Science in Nursing, both from Loyola University, Chicago. And I went on to work first in an inpatient residential facility, um, which is more of long-term care. When someone gets out of the hospital, they go to a long-term facility because they're stabilized, they're more stabilized, but they're not exactly ready to go home yet. So they typically stay in inpatient residential for a few months. 
Um, I currently now work in an inpatient behavioral health hospital, which is the highest acuity level. It's the highest level of care. So most of my patients are on a hold for either danger to self or danger to others. And that's, so it's, it's pretty intense and it's um, mostly about acutely stabilizing these patients, whether they're needing medication or therapy or those kinds of things, just kind of to get them back on their feet so that we can help them be discharged and go back into the world after that. So that's where I am right now. So are you enjoying that type of work? Does it take a mental strain on you? And how do you compartmentalize their problems and not bring it into your home life? Yeah, so I will say uh, it's definitely not always an easy job. And there are certain patients that kind of will hit you harder than other patients do for sure, just depending on your own you know, experiences. And so I really try my best to separate my work from my home life. So when I go to work, I try to really just be focused on my patients and leave all my own home home stuff at home. And I try to do this. I try to have the same mentality when it comes to work as well. I try not to be, bring my work stuff home, um, which is definitely easier said than done. Um, I, I will say I'm very close with my family. I'm very close to my faith. I try to go to church every Sunday to just kind of like set my week for, to like to start with. And um, when I do have those more difficult patients, what gets me through it is honestly talking to my close friends and family and just kind of venting about it. And after that, I kind of feel better and I'm able to go back into work and not really let it affect me. But there definitely are times where I need to take that time for myself to be like, wow, I had this really rough patient, this rough day. I need to kind of like get it out and communicate that to somebody in order to help me be able to do the job. So, yeah. You know, and that makes me think of relationships and how important it is to have somebody to talk mm -hmm. to, whether you're in a good mood, a bad mood, or something's troubling you or something's bringing you joy. Uh, relationships are so important with mental health. Uh, what makes your particular job? Because if you ask me, if I if I worked in that type of environment or that type of work, it, it would really it would be difficult for me to um, it just it just would be difficult to me for for me. So, what makes your job so meaningful that keeps you coming back, or that makes you want to like do the job? Yeah. So, I would say I, I just really have a passion for helping people when they're in that vulnerable state. I think our society as a whole tends to kind of kick those people to the curb and not really want to deal with them, and so. For me, what's fulfilling is if I'm able to help somebody in that vulnerable state in one of the hardest parts of their lives, I go home feeling fulfilled. So a big question I get a lot of the time is how do you do that on a day-to-day -day basis? Like, don't you want to go home and just cry the rest of the night? And I really personally don't feel like that because I just am like, yeah, I do hear rough stuff, but they, that's why they need someone to help them. And I, and in that moment when I'm with my patients, it's not about my feelings and my emotions in that moment. It's about them and what I need to be for them in order to help them. So that's kind of just how I try to frame it. And again, yeah, I'm a human being. I have emotions and there are some patients that hit you harder than others, of course. But with that mentality, I think that's why I'm able to do this job. And also because I have a strong support system and I'm close to my faith that I'm able to do this on a daily basis without getting run down, basically. So Yana, how would you define mental health? So to me, mental health is everything. I think it's all encompassing. I think it's how we think, act and feel. It's it's what it's how we make our decisions on a daily basis. It's how we treat others. It's our own personal histories and experiences kind of reflected in our behavior. So I something I do on my account is um, I've had people send in their own responses to what mental health means to them. And I love doing that because everybody has an answer that's unique to them. And I think that just goes to show people that it manifests in people's lives in many different ways and it affects people in different ways, but it affects everybody to some extent. And that helps, I think, normalize the topic as a whole, because once you realize that 
you're not so different than the person next to you at school or at work. It kind of can help you relate to other people too. And you might have different struggles, but the point is, is that we're all kind of in the same thing together where we have some kind of mental health struggle at some point and we all have a different definition of what it means to us. And that kind of, as a whole, I think helps normalize the topic as well. Before we talk about your account, and I'm very excited about it because that's really how I came to you. I saw the account. I found it very interesting and unique. Uh, firstly, let's talk about the holistic approach to health. Tell us what you mean by that, because I know how important that is to me and to many of the listeners, but what is it? Uh, what do you mean by holistic health? So holistic health, and I'll give you a little story. I, um, a few years ago, had to have some surgeries while I was in school, and I was struggling mentally and physically, and I was struggling for about over a year and searching for different doctors to try and help me get better and heal properly. And it wasn't until I came across a physician who very, very much believes in treating the whole person, the mind, body, and the soul, um, that I healed physically and mentally. And so, and he's still my doctor to this day. He's someone that very much inspired me to treat patients with this mentality. And that's what I mean by holistic is treating people with the whole, with the whole, as a whole person, the mind, body, and the soul. And, um, I, I think that regardless of what a person's diagnosis is, whether it's a physical diagnosis or a mental diagnosis, we shouldn't neglect one or the other because they're interconnected and, and a physical ailment can, can affect your mental health and vice versa. And so I, I think that in medicine as a whole, that should be the concept of holistic care is treating the whole body regardless of what it is. And I think sometimes people can get caught up in people's diagnosis and forget that it's a whole, it's a person on the other side of the diagnosis. Their diagnosis is just a part of them. It's not their whole being. This, these people have lives and families and stories of how they got to where they are and their diagnosis is just one part of that. So I think trying to maintain that mentality of the, treating the person rather than the diagnosis also helps when it comes to holistic care. I'm crazy about that idea. I, I really subscribe to that and I think it's very important. And I believe that when we are balanced, like Kefi Life is really all about balancing the mind, the body, and the spirit for Olekala all as well. And you really can't be super healthy in one area and just desperately struggling in another and feel really good about things. It's just, it's just a matter. Right. It's just a matter of life. Have you noticed, Yana Papadeus? I love saying your name. <laughs> Have you noticed, Yana? There is a <laughs> um, there's a shift with people's mental wellness or mental health since the onset of coronavirus. Yes, I think one positive that has come out of this whole ordeal is that I think people are more open to discussing mental health topics. Um, just because I think. Every, the whole pandemic affected people's mental health in some way, shape or form and some more drastic than others for sure. But I think people just realized like with all the isolation and all of that, that they were affected and they maybe didn't know why or how to handle certain things because a lot of this isn't common knowledge, which I believe it should be. Uh, and I think it kind of just opened up the conversation more about it in general, which I think is a great thing. Um, I do think that there's been a lot more struggles. I mean, even in my own practice, I've seen because of the pandemic, our census of patients has skyrocketed um, because of everything that's going on and a lot of people turning to negative coping outlets such as, you know, alcohol, drugs and these kinds of things because they don't really know how to cope with the whole situation. So it's definitely been I've seen a lot of both sides of that, of the positive of the discussion and the negative of um, how people have been coping with it as well. That's an excellent segue to the next question, Yana, which is um, I heard you uh, talking on an interview. It was a really good interview with Father Gary. And uh, you discussed how a person could strengthen mental health, and I really embrace what you said. I believe the listeners will too. So please share what uh, what you mean by that, or uh, talk about those three. Uh, the first one was listening, and I and I kind of talk about how um, 
it's important to actively listen to people, but also there's a difference between listening and actually hearing someone. And a lot of the times I think it comes from a good place. We try to fix other people's problems rather than just validate their experience and listen without an agenda to what they're trying to say to us and listen to their experiences. And um, we try to just automatically fix it and be like, well, why don't you try this? Why don't you do that? And sometimes that's not what people really need. Sometimes it is, but sometimes they just need someone to listen to them and know that someone's going to be there for them and validate what they're going through and how they're feeling. So I, I would say the first thing is listening to hear and not with an agenda. So a lot of times too, we listen because we want them to listen to our problem next, but then we're not actually listening to what they're saying to us because we're waiting for it to be our turn kind of thing. So I would say that when it comes to listening, the second thing, what I would, what I would say is, um, um, is coping skills, something with my patients, um, that they struggle with is they don't have positive coping skills. They never had the luxury of building, building those coping skills up. And so that results in them entering into a downward spiral, which lands them with us in our care. And so part of our treatment plans and one of the most important parts is building coping skills with them that are positive coping skills rather than their negative coping skills. Because when they go back into the world, that's what they need to rely on in order to not hit that downward spiral again, because life is always going to be hard. There's always going to be some obstacle and if you don't know how to overcome something, then you're just going to keep coming back to our care until you kind of am able to build those coping skills. So that's a big um, thing that we focus on with my patients. And the third thing I would say is um, looking at mental health as all encompassing, like I kind of said with what mental health means to me, uh, don't try not to look at it as, uh, oh, it's just one person that has this struggle that I don't understand. It's, it's, if you have a brain, you have a mental health. Like if you have a physical, if you have a physical body, you have a physical health. So that's the way I kind of try to put that analogy with people is that it's not always the other person over there that's having a mental health struggle. It's all encompassing. It's the people that you go to work with. It's the people you go to school with. It's your family, it's your friends and trying to look at it as a more encompassing and holistic way. And, um, that internal thing makes it non-judgmental also as well. You mentioned the word obstacle and I just read a book. I want to put this out there. I'm, I'm trying to uh, get an interview with this guy as well. Uh, the book is called the obstacle is the way it's written by Ryan holiday. I love it. He really, he really, he really thrives okay. on, um, the Epictetus philosophy and Mars, Marcus Aurelius. And it's kind of like the Stoics, but I recommend that for people that, um, want to think about coping skills as well. It's not like medical, but it's very interesting. That's for sure. Um, so what is the link between spirituality and mental health for you? We're talking about the medicinal part. We're talking about meds. We know that meds help. We shouldn't lean on them, uh, to find the root problem, but they definitely can help us manage a situation. We know that. What is your link? And tell me about your account. Yeah, so I would say the link is huge. There's one of my favorite books is called Orthodox Psychotherapy. And it talks about how the whole tradition of the Orthodox Church church consists in healing and bringing to life the soul, which becomes dead from sin, and how all the sacraments of our church contribute to this healing. So really, if you are a, trying to follow the Greek Orthodox faith to the best of your ability, that in turn should help you gradually become healthy when you have these struggles. Um, so that's one of my favorite books. There's a lot more intricate and in, in-depth um, information about that whole concept. But I really think if we delve deep into our faith, there are so many tools that we are given in order to be healthy individuals, like confession, communion, all of our sacraments of our church. There's kind of just endless things. Um, St. Erasmus is the patron saint of mental health. We have these, these saints that we can turn to in times of need with mental health struggles to pray to. He's someone I pray to on behalf of all my patients. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I could go on about that topic for a while, but <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the basis that we have all these tools. So Tell me a little bit about St. Gerasimos, because um, I, I know who he is, 
And there is an icon of him with his slipper in our church. Mm-hmm. And I'll post that picture in show notes. But I did not ever know about the link of Ayos Gerasimos being the patron saint of mental health. Yeah. So he's a protector and patron saint of Kefalonia. And he's a patron saint of mental health because he was known for his miraculous abilities to cure people with mental illnesses. So that's what people would would flock to him for, was, was for mental health struggles. And still to this day, there's many stories of um, different miracles. He's also a walking saint. And so sometimes like if his relics um, of his... Uh, in the church are closed, like you can't open his relics, his tomb. That means he's off doing miracles somewhere, performing miracles somewhere. So that's really cool about him too. That is interesting. And when you said the word kefalonia, kefali means head. Mm-hmm. Kefalonia, how interesting mm-hmm. in that. Yep. I love, I love so the, I love the Greek yeah. language. Oh my God. That is so interesting. Uh, <laughs> so now your account that you tie into. So you're a professional, you're a psychiatric mm-hmm. nurse, you have an education, you have a background. Uh, tell me about the NAMI, because I know what that word means. And I know that folks out there would like to know what that means. And tell us a little bit about your account. So the NAMI is a Greek word for strength. And I, my logo has a Phoenix bird detailed with um, flames surrounding it with the word the NAMI underneath, because the Phoenix is kind of my favorite bird and just my whole logo uh because it it symbolizes rebirth and strength and it's also um pictured at ayalavra which is the birthplace of greek independence from under turkish occupation it was placed on the revolutionary flag next to the dormition of the theotokos uh which was supposed to inspire courage to the freedom fighters for the rebirth of an ancient nation so the phoenix it personifies a cyclical entity it continuously goes through the cycle of birth life and death birth, life, death, and rebirth by rising from its own ashes. So I like it because the whole point of it is that it turns its greatest moment of weakness into its greatest moment of strength continually. And so that's kind of what prefaced my whole um, logo was the strength and the story of the Phoenix and how it's engendered in ancient Greek mythology. And it all kind of ties together. And how do we turn our painful experiences into some kind of positive or way to help others? So that's kind of the main um, background behind my logo and the name. I just think that is so profound. It's just like my my husband sent me this little post about the struggle of the butterfly and how it has to struggle a little bit before it comes to flu- fruition. And truthfully, we cannot avoid in life mm-hmm. the hardship, the adversity, the difficulty, but if we let it help us grow and we learn from it, we can truly become mm-hmm. the whole healthy, beautiful person that we were created to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I love that analogy too. Oh, you're so sweet. All right, so Yana, we have, I have two more questions. This went way too fast. We're going to have to have you back. Um, just so much great information. Um, one pertaining to mindfulness. Uh, are there some strategies that you can share with us to become mindful and not distracted in the moment? Yeah, so I love mindfulness. There are a ton of techniques and I think it's kind of whatever best works for a person. Um, but it's just being very purposeful and aware of your thoughts and your feelings and your surroundings and everything. And I think- Sometimes you can have a like a technique to do that with like breathing or guided imagery and that kind of stuff. But sometimes I think too, you can you can have it however something works in your life. Like if you read a book and that helps to slow down your mind and your thoughts and help you be present in your moment, then I think that's great and that's what works for you and you should do that. Or if it's like going on a walk in nature, that kind of thing. I think you can be I think what's great about mindfulness is you can do it wherever you are and whatever is happening, even if you're in a high, fast-paced situation currently, you can still be mindful. So I love like regrounding techniques. A good one is um, the regrounding of the five, four, three, two, one with your senses, having your senses help to bring you back to where you are currently. I mean, there, there's endless possibilities with mindfulness. Um, I do think that the more you are mindful and in tune with your body and your thoughts, 
that can help you in turn figure out how to handle situations of what's triggering you and how something makes you feel. And the more in tune you are with how things make you feel, the more in tune you are with how you should go about handling that as well. Which goes to show that we should, and you should, and anybody should listen to the signals of their body and their mind. I know like when I get nervous, this is crazy, Yana, but when I get really super nervous, I start to itch everywhere. My whole body just starts to itch. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. something's off here. I Mm -hmm. better like shift something. As soon as I start itching really bad, I'm like, uh-uh, I got to yeah. check this out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's something your body's telling you that something needs to change. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So in closing, Yana Papadeus, we are definitely going to put all your uh, links and your handles in the show notes. Uh, just let us know how people connect with you. And then I have one final question. Okay. So connection wise, I have um, an Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter account. As of now, I'm working on launching a website within the next couple months Um, but I'm available on all those social media platforms right now. So yeah. So if someone wanted to ask you a question, would it be okay if they DM'd you? Yes. Uh, That's how I get most of my questions is through direct messages. Yeah. All right. One of these days, you know, we should do a Q and A on Instagram. You know that? Yeah. I'd love that. That'd be great. I think, I think it'd be fun. All right. So here's my question. It's a little abstract. Yana Papadeus, does love, does love heal? I would say immediately. Yes. And I think the first word that comes to mind is agape, which is unconditional love. And I think that's another way that our spirituality and mental health ties in together because we're called to treat our fellow neighbors with agape. And um, by doing that, when you look at people through that lens, you're not judging them. You're curious and you're accepting and you're validating people's experiences. And I think anything we do through the lens of agape is how we can treat people better and even treat ourselves better. So I would say, yes, I do think love can heal 100%. Uh, I think it just matters how much we want to you know, incorporate that into our daily lives to make a difference. With that, I say thank you so much, Ifkaristo, and I'm sending you a lot of agape from the Midwest. Thank you. Stay right there. Up next, your weekly takeaway to keep it all as well. This Ola Kala moment brought to you by the law offices of Liston and Centillus, ranked number one by the Leading Lawyers Network since 2010 taking care of all your real estate needs. A little more about listening. It's been said that effective listening is a skill that underpins all positive human relationships. But how do we listen? Mostly we listen to talk instead of listening to discover what the other person is saying. What have I learned in the past 15 years of talking so much? That it's better to pay attention. Give the speaker your courtesy of showing interest. Show that you're listening and engaging by making eye contact or making a brief comment like, "Mm mm-hmm, or yes. Replace judgment with curiosity. Be curious and allow the other person to share their message. Listen to understand, not to be understood. Because listening will teach you something that you did not know or possibly affirm what you already know. Let us follow what Epictetus said so many years ago. We have two ears and one mouth so that we can each listen twice as much as we speak. Thus, an olakala all-is-well life with less misunderstanding and much more healthier communication. Kiki Vale is the founder of Kefi Life. She is passionate about whole-person wellness and living a fulfilled life. Her Kefi Life podcast is created to simply and naturally help you harmonize the mind, body, and soul the Greek way. Visit kefilife.com at KefiLife365 on Instagram, and check out Kiki Vale on LinkedIn and on Twitter. 
Join us again next time for more positive energy and inspiration on Kefi Life.